The CFOs that get it, get it. The CFOs that don't, don't. Let's talk about the CFO, the Chief Financial Officer. There are two kinds of CFOs. One who's struggling to keep up, spreadsheets everywhere, manual processes. It takes weeks to close the books. The other kind is on top of their game. Automated reports, inventory, commerce, and HR flow into the financial model seamlessly. NetSuite is everything you need to grow all in one place. That's why NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system used by over 28,000 growing businesses. 93% of businesses increased their visibility and control after upgrading to NetSuite. Head to netsuite.com slash c-suite for a special one-of-a-kind financing offer. That's netsuite.com slash c-suite. netsuite.com slash c-suite. Get the inside track on 20 top business trends for 2020 from Joe Block. Joel's insights bring Wall Street to your street so you can profit from the inside in 2020. Just text the word TREND to 7200. That's 72000 and download your free copy today. Grab your phone and get the inside track on business trends that affect you and your business. Just text the word TREND to 7200 for your copy now. This is Profit from the Inside with Joel Block. Insights to give your business the inside track. And now, here's your host, Joel Block. Every sales manager and executive team has to worry that from time to time, their salespeople are too pushy. And they wonder, how is it that we make sure our people are seen as helpful and not as scavengers? Well, to answer that critical question, Lisa McLeod. Lisa, welcome to the show. It's a pleasure to be with you today. So that is, uh, you know, I would say as far as sales go, that's probably about as basic of a question as it gets. That is a really, really good question that somebody brings to us. How is it that we don't, you know, we need these sales so badly, uh-huh. but we don't want to seem as too desperate and, and, and killing the people. So is it a fine line? Is it a, a very broad line? I mean, where are we? It's actually not a fine line at all. There are two distinct differences that are emerging right now in sales. And those are the people who are there to simply get the revenue right now versus those people who are there to truly help the customers. And the thing that happens is when you're doing this, especially over a Zoom call, where all the niceties of the coffee and the handshakes and all of these things are stripped away, Sellers who are desperate to close business, not only will they not close business, they will erode your brand reputation. Well, I have to imagine on Zoom, I mean, we're all kind of like, okay, let's just make it happen and get on to the next thing because we got a lot of Zoom calls back to back, unlike appointments, which you can only do a couple of them in a day, you know, I mean, if you drive around or whatever. So um, clearly enough, though, if, if the company instructs a salesperson, you must make a certain quota. Mm-hmm. That's that's got to lead to that desperation that you're talking about. It absolutely leads to desperation. And I want to be really clear. People don't need to waste customers' time on Zoom with a bunch of, hey, let's have virtual coffee. But I want you to compare and contrast. Imagine two salespeople are about to call on you. And one of them, their manager says, I need you to close this deal. Close it, close it, close it. 
and the other expresses urgency, but they express the urgency about something else. They tell that seller, our customers need us. I want you to get in there and find out how we can help these people and be as proactive as you can. Which of those salespeople would you rather have calling on you? They well, both the, the, have the a one, sense of urgency. Yeah, the, the one, well, the one, the one that's going to look for the problem and solve the problem. That's right. They both have urgency, and that's what people need to understand. In our research, what we found was the salespeople whose mindset is around closing it will be perceived as aggressive. The salespeople who have urgency around solving the customer's problem will be perceived as assertive, but they will be perceived as assertive on behalf of the customer. But the these, these are, concepts are not mutually exclusive either. I mean, I mean, because what you, what I just heard you say, there's not one or the other. It's one, it's one and more. It's close the sale, but find out all about the problem that you can. Yeah, psychologically, it's an ordering thing because here's what our studies have told us. Salespeople who sell with what we call noble purpose, whose primary intent is to improve life for customers, outsell salespeople who are focused on targets and quotas. And so the revenue follows the purpose. But what happens in today's environment is people forget that we're about making a difference to customer. And that story gets put to the back burner and your salespeople show up and they're not differentiated. Because if I've told my salespeople, close it, close it, close it, how interesting is that for them to go spew quota breath all over the customer? It's not very not, interesting. Not great. So so who needs the training? The salespeople or the sales managers or the sales executive uh, vice presidents in the company? I mean, who needs help here? It all starts with the sales executives. And so what happens is we'll look at salespeople and they'll say, oh, my salespeople need training because my salespeople are just going in and they're feature dumping and they're talking about us and they're not talking about the customer. But when you dial that back and you look at how are the sales managers interacting with the salespeople? And I'll give you a prime example, pipeline review. Sales manager asks, when are you going to close it? How much is it going to be? Well, two really important questions, but back to your both and thing, those questions, not enough. What we train sales managers to do is ask, when are you going to close it? How much is it going to be? And how will the customer be different as a result of doing business with us? That points the salesperson in a different direction. Back it one up, sales leadership. Sales leadership, the story has to be, how are customers better as a result of doing business with us? So when you say uh, how a company is better, you know, I think an easy way to say that is what's the customer's problem mm-hmm. and what are we going to do to make that problem right. go away for that person? Yeah. I mean, that, that's my language. I mean, that, I'm not changing yours. I'm just saying that's how I would say it. Sometimes it's what's the customer's problem. One of the things we've seen, though, with some of the companies we've worked with is they're not solving a problem that's been articulated by the customer yet. They're selling the customer what could be. Because like, for example, I didn't know that I needed an iPhone until I saw Steve Jobs on stage show me one. And so in a lot of cases, the customer may have a well-articulated problem, but oftentimes they don't. They're not achieving what they might achieve, but they haven't even thought of the solution that you have in front of you. And so what we say is you've got to not only be able to solve the customer's problem, but you've got to be able to go in and identify how you can improve them in ways they may not have even thought of. Yeah. Well, you know, I would imagine that companies like Apple that, that are selling these incredibly innovative products, mm-hmm. 
they must have a line of reasoning for this. Because yeah. the truth is that nobody needed an iPhone. Now, they may have wanted iPhones once they start seeing them. And there is an underlying problem, by the way. You know, my problem is that I need to be on the cutting edge. I need yeah. to be the one of my friends that is the fastest adopter of these things. So, I mean, there is a need-based thing behind it. So, but at the end of the day, it's like, I really, really want that. And that's <laughs> it's what it can do for me. And, I, and I'll tell you, one of our clients, it's not always cutting edge. One of our clients is a concrete company. And they don't have better concrete. But what they have is they have clarity about their noble purpose. And in their case, it's we're going to redefine expectations for this industry. We're going to be. Well, let's, keep, let's keep going with this one because that, that's, you know, this other stuff is so easy to see. Something in, in uh, concrete and a commodity and some kind of these, yeah. these old line products a little harder to see. So what's a noble purpose that's related to concrete or something, <laughs> a building material or something? So no matter what your business, your noble purpose is how you improve customers. It's about the impact you want to have on customers. And I want to draw your attention. I'll get, use this concrete company as an example. We want to be the number one concrete company. It's a nice goal. It's not a noble purpose. We want to be the best provider, not a noble purpose. Noble purpose is we are going to redefine the way customers experience contractors. That is a game changer. And from there you say, well, what does that mean we have to do? You ask a whole series of questions. If we're going to redefine it, that means our people have to look differently, speak differently. We have to quote jobs differently. We have to have different standards for cleanup and different standards for turnaround times. So it becomes a series of things that this company can do. And this is a real company. It's Foundation Support Works out of Omaha, Nebraska. They are on our website and they have become a best place to work. They have become leaders in their industries because they didn't just say we want to be a good company. They said, we're going to redefine this whole experience for customers. See, what's, what's so powerful about that is that that's a really hard business to be imaginative. Yeah. And, and I salute those guys for being imaginative because uh, that's a really hard industry. And Because if you're focused on the product, the concrete, because mm-hmm. the concrete requires a service too. You know, you got to make the concrete or you got to get, get it mm-hmm. to people or whatever you got to. Somehow it's, it's not just the product that you come pick up. I mean, it's, there's, there's another component yeah. to it. And, and I think that's spectacular. Give us it's, another, another one. Let's look at another, another industry that's complicated to think about this. So another industry that we work in a lot is financial services and we have a bank client and this particular bank is Atlantic capital bank out of Atlanta, Georgia. They're a commercial bank. And so they said their noble purpose when we worked with them was we fuel prosperity. And so what that means is every interaction with a client has to be about what does prosperity mean to this client and how can we fuel it? And the the words are pretty important because they're one component of a client's prosperity. And you notice a lot of banks will say, we build wealth. This is different because the word prosperity says, we're going to help these businesses grow. We're going to help them create jobs. We're going to help them be big members of their communities. And they're not going to do everything, but when they switch to that mindset and said, we fuel prosperity, they started having completely different conversations with their customers. Because a bank, you're borrowing for commercial, the loan's the loan, the percent's the percent. But if you are working with a banker who understands your hopes and dreams and is your partner, that's differentiated. 
Okay, so um, let me just push back a little. Uh, <laughs> you know, with the concrete company, it's totally believable to me yeah. that they could change the experience that you'd have with contractors, partly because there's a lot of room for improvement and, part, <laughs> and partly because I, I just, I just kind of get the sense that there are companies who could really do an awesome job. Right. Banking is a different business. Mm-hmm. I'm a little bit more um, cynical about banking and, and their ability to fuel prosperity. <laughs> I, I just, to me, that's a little bit of a stretch. So talk is cheap, and that's one of the risks that you take here. Yeah. How do they actually, you know, put into action and, and demonstrate that they're for real? I'll tell you exactly how they did it. And there's actually a story on the cover of American Banker. The CEO, Doug Williams, was voted top 20 bank CEO in America because of what he did. And this is a mid-sized bank. All right, um, let's hear it. And so some of the things they did, they changed their sales behavior. They changed the way they onboard customers. They looked at every single thing from the way you fill out your loan application to the way that they the way that they identify your resources to the way that they take you on as a customer to the way that the closing goes to the way that you get paperwork afterwards. And there's no one magic bullet. But when so, you so again, every it's, it's one not- of those things and you tweak them just a little bit, so it's not about the, the loan products, the banking products. It's about the way the, the way they service mm-hmm. the account. So it, it comes back to the people in the service and the implementation of those products. That's exactly right. So if you have an inferior product, they, they did have some product innovation. I'll tell you in a second, we've had a couple of companies have serious product innovation as a result of this. But if, if you have an inferior product, all the noble purpose in the world is not going to make your product, you know, you're not going to be able to compete. But if you have a solution that actually helps your customers, then your people are the force multiplier. That's the thing that's going to create differentiation. And it's the way your people interact with customers, but also the innovation that your people had. If that bank and their earnings are up 40%, very well documented, publicly held company, if that bank had said, okay, guys, we all want to figure out how to make more money, it would have had a completely different effect. But instead, they point everyone strategically and tactically towards how are we going to fuel our customers' prosperity? And the ideas just start flying. That's what happens. Have you ever uh, had a situation where a company came up with a noble purpose that just wasn't that, that great, that just didn't work out for them? Yeah. I have. When they came to us, they'd read the books and they came to us with a noble purpose and it wasn't that good. I mean, it was, and, was it too shallow? Was it, was it so ambitious? It was ridiculous. I mean, what was the problem with it? I'll give you two examples and I will be mum on the names to protect the yeah, innocent. Yeah, you, you got to protect the innocent and everything. Yeah. Yeah. The ones that were <laughs> successful, I'll put those out there all day. Yeah. <laughs> but, so I had uh, two, I've had this happen to me twice and I've learned my lesson. One company came to us and they said, well, our purpose is to be the best provider in our space. And I said, that's not really a purpose. And they said, well, it's ours. And our CEO's already signed off on it and we already have it in the lobby. So we got to work with it. <laughs> and, and now I would say, well, guess what? <laughs> they, car- they carved into a marble yeah. statue kind of thing. It's no. like forever. And so trying to be the best in your space is a great goal. And these are very well-intended people, but it lacks 
the specificity. Right. The way you achieve differentiation is by describing the impact that you want to have on customers. And again, we fuel prosperity is only three words. Redefine is only one word. But what it captures is what's going to happen to the customer, how the customer will be different. We, we become number one doesn't say anything about customers. So that's one way. The other way that someone else came to us and they had read the book and they were all excited and they said, well, we already have our purpose. It's we make a difference. And so I was like, well, the sentiment is good, but I mean, it's better than saying, you know, nothing, but they hadn't captured the specificity. Like we have one customer that says, who does glide out shelving units, like in your kitchen, you know? And they say, we turn pain and frustration into joy and love. That has some specificity. You're all annoyed because you can't get your pots and pans. You get all these glide outs and all of a sudden you like cooking a lot more. Like that's clear, but we make a difference. That's not clear enough. It captures the sentiment. Well, it also is not necessarily positive. You can make a difference and it it wouldn't be that great. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. (laughs) And so what I always say is identifying what we call your noble purpose is only step one, but it's a really important step. And what it needs to do is it needs to capture your aim and your lane. And the way you come up with it is we have three questions. How do you make a difference to customers? How do you do it differently than your competition? And on your best day, what do you love about your job? Say the last one again. On your best day, what do you love about your job? Yeah, that, that's a big one right there. It is Very huge. Good. And it... Because the two things a business needs to win are competitive differentiation and emotional engagement. And you can't create passionate customers without passionate people. And people want to make a difference. They want to know their work is valuable and that they are doing something for other people. We're hardwired for it. You know, this is, uh, this is pretty fascinating. I mean, uh, so tell, tell me, what do you do for comfort companies? I mean, you, you've written books, you speak. I mean, do you actually go in and consult and help them figure this out? Absolutely. Because I'm sure they, they need some fine tuning, right? Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things, I'm going to do a shameless plug for our new book, Selling with Noble Purpose. And what it documents is over two dozen firms that we have done this process with. And so it, there's a couple of simple steps, but they're not always easy. One is identifying your noble purpose. And that's usually based on what you're already doing. Again, on your best day, who are you? Then the next thing is activating it with your mid-level of management. And I use the word activating very intentionally because typically when people say, oh, we've got a mission statement, we want to cascade it down. We don't want to cascade. We want to activate. And so what that means is every single department in the company, every single job in the company, we need to be able to draw a line back to say, if our purpose is we fuel prosperity and I'm the one that processes the loans, how does my processing improve the client's prosperity? And that's where we get tons of ideas. So you've got to get that activated in every manager. And then the next step is in your people that interact with customers. You know, I'll tell you the way in, in my experience that I have done what you call activation. I don't, I don't I, I, I've never used that word before, but let's say that it's a great word. Um, I, I always uh, tell companies they need a mantra that if, yeah. if you're, if, if what you're calling the noble purpose is this phrase, yeah. you know, is there a mantra or some little saying or something 
that that the CEO says over and over and over and is plastered on the walls. And I mean, do they come up with a mantra of some kind to, to reinforce this, to activate this? Yeah, and it is the noble purpose. So it's We Fuel Prosperity was one. Another client we're in, the travel business. We care about delivering amazing travel experiences. We are redefining the industry. One of our clients is a big pharma, and they said, we're doing now what patients need next. So it's got to be clear that we are making a difference in this particular way. Another example that I'll give you, Dave and Buster's, we champion laugh out loud fun. So that's everybody's yeah. job to champion laugh out loud fun. And, and the reason it has to be so clear is because every person in the company needs to be able to identify how their job is doing that. And if their job is not doing that, then why do we have those jobs? Because a company doesn't exist to make money. A company exists to add value for customers. Yeah. You know, as, as much as any inside track I've ever thought about or heard about, I mean, this, this so closely lines up with my philosophy. This is absolutely the inside track to selling and success with getting your company to align with other companies. In the old days, it's like in the 80s, 70s, you know, or maybe earlier, I don't know, I wasn't around before that. But, uh, you know, in the old days, you know, selling was really different. But now selling is really kind of helping I mean, selling is really kind of working with customers to solve problems. Customers and companies can do things together. But there's another angle to this. You know, when you talk about uh, having this whole uh, noble purpose, which I call cause. I mean, I, I have my own language that kind of describes something less eloquently than yours, by the way. You, you have done a very marvelous job here. But vendors and other people, uh, you know, you say to the vendors, hey, listen, do you, you, know, you want to you have laugh out, uh, out loud fun? Yeah. Well, then get on my side of the table instead of sitting across the table and let's work on this together. And and it's it's a way of creating camaraderie, teamship, team spirit, you know, whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. You can come up with whatever names you want. But when you and then you tell investors, say, listen, this is what we're about because I'm in the business of raising money. So you tell investors something like this that goes a long, long way. So yeah, absolutely. I, I think that I think you are absolutely hitting on the inside track with all this kind of stuff that this is the best, fastest and the smartest way to get people to get on your team, get on your side, want to do business with you. It almost creates like a lay down sales process. Yeah. It, and some of the favorite work I've done has been with startups in early stage. So we've worked with some companies like Hootsuite in the early days. Revenue grew by like 2000%. And it was about really telling the market and your team, here is how we make a difference. And it becomes compelling and there's, there's data to back it up. Companies with a purpose bigger than money outperform the competition by 350%. There was new research out of the University of Michigan or Michigan State rather that said salespeople who have this sense of noble purpose, who are part of a cause bigger than themselves, put forth more effort and are more tenacious and more resilient. And if ever was a time you need your salespeople <laughs> to be tenacious and resilient, it is right now. And, I, and I have, I have, I totally believe all this stuff. By the way, I mean, I am a hundred percent with you that when there is a cause or a noble purpose or whatever the words yep. are, that everybody's more engaged because people really want to be part of something that's bigger than themselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we all need a paycheck. We all need to do our job and everything. And that's. But that's kind of like the basic level. But at a higher level, we want to make a difference. We want to know that going to work was 
the world's a little bit better because I went yeah, to work today. Right. Well, and how I actually first landed on this was 10 years ago. I mean, it rings true with what we know from our own experience. But about 10 years ago, I did a big study with a biotech company. And we were trying to identify what differentiated their top performers. And this is back before people were really talking about purpose at work. And we were did this field study, all these salespeople. And one salesperson told me a really emotional story. I said, what do you think about when you go on sales calls? And she said, I always think about this one patient told me this emotional story about this grandmother that had come up to her in the doctor's office said, thank you for giving me my life back. So she told me these biggest story. And she said, I think about her. So at the end of the study, it was a blind study where we were supposed to see not only if we could identify what separated the top performers, but we didn't even know who the top performers were. And when we came back and the biotech company said, who do you think our top people are? And I had pegged five people that had this sense of noble purpose. And I said, I think it's these five. And as it turned out, I was right. That was the difference between good performance and exceptional performance. And that, well, that to me, that was the tipping point. That was 10 years ago. And I knew I was onto something, but they said, well, how did you know? And I went, I'm not sure. Blah, 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 blah. It took me another decade to like do all the research and <laughs> the models and figure it out. And like, I'm going to get back yeah, to Yeah, listen, that. that, that's, that's uh, right. <laughs> you know, I hate to say it, when you start counting decades, you've got a certain amount of wisdom. <laughs> That's how we'll talk about me now as wise. <laughs> but you know that I, I just uh, I just think this is so powerful. Let's talk about how um, how does a company go about getting this? How do they go through the process where they can convene a meeting in the boardroom and there's a leader or, or, or let's let's say you're not involved, they just want to do it by themselves. Mm-hmm. How do how do they how do most companies go about doing this? They may not get it just right, but how do they at least start the process? So I'll tell you the way to start it, and it's not the boardroom. The way you start it is the way we start it, and a company can do this on their own, is we interview the people who interact with customers and we interview the customers themselves. Because what tends to happen when people start this is they're trying to come up with a sexy tagline, and that is not Well, that, that's part of the problem is that you, know, you could tell from the ones you've come up with, they, the, the goal is to be cute and smart and right. friendly and witty. One of them was really, really good. I can't remember which one. One of them was the pharmaceutical one was really good. Yeah. And I didn't come up with that one. Yeah, they that, did. that one, those are word professionals. Clearly they, they the way are. they put their words together. That was a really good one. What was that one again? Doing now what patients need next. Yeah. I mean, that that's it's very just, public. It's that's too smart for a non-professional. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, we like think we've come up with some good ones. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm sure you do. That's, that's a good one. But I'm not taking credit for that one. But they, um, so what you do, see what happens. Let me tell you what usually happens is people sit in a conference room, they've got the board or they've got the senior leadership and they say, let's come up with a purpose statement. That's not where you're going to find your best purpose. Where you're going to find your purpose is interviews with your people who interact with customers and customers themselves. And again, the three questions, they're really crucial and they're not the three big questions that you ask the board. They're the three questions you ask the front line. How do we make a difference? How do we do it differently? And on your best day, what do you love about so, your job? And, and are those people answering the question from their perspective or from the customer's perspective that they've interacted with? You want them to answer the question, how do we make a difference? How do we do it differently in the competition? And then you also want the customers to answer. So I'll give you an example of two companies that I was involved with. One got it right and one got it wrong. Why it makes a difference. Mars Pet Care and Purina. 
the pet food wars, it's a real thing. Mars Pet Care decided that their purpose was create a better world for pets. And Purina said that their purpose was better with pets. Now, I want you to hear the difference in those two. They sound the same. Same again. One is make a better world for pets. And the other is better with pets. Which one would drive behavior? Make a better world for pets. Ding, ding, ding. And that is why Mars overtook Purina. Because if everyone in your company says our job is to make a better world for pets, Mars decided, well, we need to start looking at pet health. Much more lucrative market than the grocery store wars on, uh, you know, dog chow. So make a better world for pets is something people can join. It's something that people can believe in. Better with pets is a cute tagline, but it doesn't drive behavior. Right. And so that's, that's why I think of it as a cause. It's something that you and I can do together to make the world a right. better place. And right. so, you know, we're all kind of working toward this thing. And, and all the people that work in the company wake up in the morning, hey, listen, I'm, I'm here because I love pets and I want to make the world better for pets. Make and, the world better for pets. And by and the way, and if, you don't, if you don't believe that, that's not a good place for you to work. That's not a good place for you to work. And here's the thing. Even if I don't like pets, if I work there, I know what my job is. I'm supposed to make the world better. Yeah. So it is, does that. That means that the vendors have to buy into that. The shareholders of the company buy into that. And it's it's sort of a self-selecting, I love this because it's a self-selecting phenomenon. Get the right people. (laughs) Yeah. And, And I will also tell you, if someone's listening to this and they are not the CEO of their company, do not wait for your CEO. One of our most successful clients coming out of Australia has 60,000 people and their, their noble purpose was we care about delivering amazing travel experiences. And 10 people sitting in one office came up with it. And they said, we are going to demonstrate more caring. We're going to deliver better. We're going to create more amazing things. So they took those words, we care about delivering amazing travel experiences. And they, they doubled down on what care looked like, what delivery looked like, and what amazing looked like. And what happened was their results were amazing. So, so let me ask rest- you, so here's, so here's a hard question. Yeah. Has there ever been a company you couldn't could not find a noble purpose for? Has there ever been anything that where they just it's like you throw your hands up and you go, you know what? I don't know what to tell you guys. In my current practice, no, because those kinds typically don't call me. In my earlier career when I was working in sales and leadership, yes. Now, is that because the company is doing something that's so boring and old line, it's not worth figuring it out? Or is it because the management just so, so close-minded to possibilities? I mean, where, where does the ball land? So boring things, I'm going to take, take some, you know, umbrage with that. If you're doing something, your customers are buying it, you're probably adding value. If you're selling cigarettes, I'm going to have a hard time getting on board with you. Yeah. That's well, that, that, that's just, you don't want to work with that kind of company, but but there are people who, you know, I mean, listen, I, I, me, me too. I'm with you, but, yeah. but that is a. Uh, I would have a hard time people. finding the noble purpose in that. Having said that, we've worked with accounting firms. We've well, I mean, I mean, look, like, you know, just because you don't like cigarettes, matter. just because you don't like cigarettes doesn't mean that there aren't people who like them. And, and hey, listen, we make the best cigarette for people that, that you know, like cigarettes and, what, and whatever you phrase that. So yeah. I'm not telling you to spend your time doing it. And you've got your own philosophy and, you know, your principles. Yeah. But well, I'll tell you where done. you were asking, though, where companies don't work. So you may not you, you may not have and it's I'm not the moral arc of the universe here. You may not be 
doing something that most people would deem noble. Just because it's boring doesn't mean it's noble. Where we struggle is where we have top leadership saying one thing and doing another. Like we've had some companies where people were old school and it was a slog and it was difficult and it took longer and we faced a lot of uphill battles. But if we have those senior leaders on board with it, even half of them, we can get through that. It's where senior leadership says, oh, you go be noble purpose, but me, I'm working for my bonus. And that's all I care about. That's well, that, kind of, you know, listen, that, kind of, that goes back to what we were talking about in the middle, you know, say one thing, do another. So, yeah. so kind of what I hear is that, you know, for you that uh, there, there are some things that don't work. You know, if it's all talk and no action, that doesn't work. If, uh, if you personally just can't line up with it, you can't really advise companies you don't line up with. And, you know, listen, I'm kind of similar. I think, I think the, the, yeah. the best advisors and, and other people that kind of line up the same way. But because it's a little different than being an accountant, you, you can account for anything. But when you got to be creative and really add a layer of and we something, we got to get this people have, excited. And you kind of got to be all in. I love the companies that people think are boring. Because to me, I mean, we have worked with an adventure travel company that was exciting. Dave and Buster's is fun. Some of these breakthrough pharmaceutical companies, those are wonderful. And I also really like working with the concrete company and the bank, because those are things that everyday people go to work there and they deserve to feel excited about your job, their jobs. Yeah. We've worked with a plumbing company. You try living your life without plumbing, concrete, or banking. You can't do it. So yeah. those are really valuable services. Well, listen, Lisa, you've been you've been awesome. And, and I really, listen, you have absolutely delivered the inside track. That's all we ever want. And, and the inside track on, on how to get a company to sell better, not be scavengers, treat the customers with respect, put all the people on the same side of the table and doing it all at one time with a teeny little phrase that's delivered with a heartfelt sense and reality. You've just, you've done the whole thing and you, you, you're the package. You did wonderful. So thank you very much for, for being on the show. Well, thank you. It was my pleasure. Well, listen, we'll keep in touch with you and your contact information and everything else will be in the show notes, but, uh, but thank you so much. You were a wonderful guest. It was a pleasure. You've been listening to Profit from the Inside with Joel Block. For more insights and to learn more, visit joelblock.com. How about a shout out and a giant thanks to my podcast producer, David Wolf, and his team at Podcast and Radio Networks. Profit from the Inside simply wouldn't be what it is without David and his team. For more information or to learn how you can launch and produce your own podcast, reach out to podcastandradio.com. Get the inside track on 20 top business trends for 2020 from Joel Block. Joel's insights bring Wall Street to your street so you can profit from the inside in 2020. Just text the word TREND to 72000. That's 72000 and download your free copy today. Grab your phone and get the inside track on business trends that affect you and your business. Just text the word TREND to 72000 for your copy now. Produced by Audavita Studios. Connect your voice to the world.